0: we mm-hmm. How's it going everybody, this is Chris Welcome to episode 194 of X-Labs Where uh, we're back to uh, business as usual With uh, the folks at SWORD um, For the first time in, well, since the first <laughs> issue of SWORD uh, We're not all tied up in symbiotes and venoms and nulls And kings in blacks and uh, all that stuff That uh, very few of us actually uh, cared about <laughs> So we're back to business here So let's get right into it This is Sword, Volume 2, Number 5, had a June 2021 cover date. Stories called Jalo, written by Al Ewing, with art by Valerio Oshidi. Colors, Mardi Gracia, letters, VCs, Ariana Ma, designs, designs, Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman, edits, Bisa White, Cebulski, cover price, $4. Went on sale April 21 of 2021. Now, we open with perhaps the most ungodly of info pages, um... It gives me a headache just uh, just looking at it quickly. Uh, it's the Weeplex Supreme Intelligence System coming online, or something like that. It's I, I cannot emphasize how unpleasant this thing is to look at, let alone actually try to read, which I did try to do several times, and uh, no, no. Um, let's get into comics here. This uh, takes us to Plant J453 where a snark named Prince Weasel (laughs) is appealing to uh, the Supreme Intelligence for safe passage into his utopian Kree sector as he's being fenced in by the Xenrix, I think. You know, and I'm I'm sure this makes a whole lot more sense to people following the Marvel Cosmic stuff, but I do not have the context nor the interest. Now, I think this scene is meant to be picking up from the one that we saw in Sword Number 3, when Manifold visited a snark who was then assassinated after he left. And, if I were to guess, it's probably leading to whatever the final annihilation thing is going to be. You know, that uh, that story that we found out will include uh, or lead into that cable-reloaded one-shot that we uh, we talked about a little bit not too long ago. Anyway, the uh, Supreme Intelligence, I don't know if this is the actual Supreme Intelligence, I Don't think it is. I think this is one that was, like, grown from, like, a a magic bean by uh, Marvel Boy or something like that. Whatever the case, he turns, uh, uh, what is it, Prince Weasel. He He turns Weasel down, and then Prince Weasel himself is assassinated, stabbed in the back by a hooded figure. Huh, I wonder who that might be. Double page spread of roll call and cred. We got Fabian Cortez, Jean Grey, Magneto, Professor X, Storm, Emma Frost, Brand, Redacted, Emilia Vought, Redacted, Weasel, Condor, and Lijah, And I think those are all three of those are are snarks. Back to comics, and we're at the hatchery where Fabian Cortez is emerging from his gold ball. He's met by Jean Grey, who is uh, now wearing her early 90s Jim Lee costume. I have no idea why our characters are hopping into their old duds with such frequency. Uh, hopefully, we'll eventually find out. Maybe this is just a, uh... I don't know, an Easter egg for uh, us older fans. I don't know. Anyway, she informs Cortez that she uploaded his Cerebro back up into his husk. And so Fabian looks around for, uh, you know, the mutant cultists to chant the word mutant at him over and over again. To which Gene tells him they're not doing that today. And... In fairness, I mean, how many times can they do it without the novelty wearing off? They'd probably have to assemble something like three or four times a day for Quentin Quire alone, so I could see them skipping one or two. She then tells him that he'd better not dally because he's got an appointment with the Quiet Council set up by Magneto, and uh, they don't even give him the chance to go put on a pair of pants. And so he'll be attending this meeting uh, in his birthday suit. He's uh, going to be completely naked for the entire issue. And so into the council chamber he nakedly goes And the council is incomplete We only have nine members here As we know, Apocalypse and Jean's seats, they're empty and they remain empty And Call Me Kate is not present for whatever reason Magneto then introduces a pair of guests for the meeting And it's uh, Abigail Brand and uh, much to Cortez's dismay, Peeper Who I keep wanting to call Peepers, like plural, and uh, I'm sure I will and I'm sure I have, so uh, I guess uh, mea culpa in advance. It's worth noting Magneto is in his red and purple costume. I'm not sure why. On the cover, he's wearing his white costume. I don't know. When Cortez asks why Pipa is here, Magneto turns the knife a little bit and he refers to the little weirdo as being one of his oldest and most trusted friends. And Cortez wonders if uh, maybe he's somehow being punished. Uh, you think? Magneto tells him that he's got the floor if he wants it And uh, he's got two choices Either speak, you know, make the best of this uh, moment you're being given Or get the hell out And so Fabian decides to make his plea And he would like to talk about the Crocoan law regarding murder But first, scene shift over to... Huh Okay, uh, Zaxoxo? Zaxoxo? Uh, it's a planet, I'm assuming a, or a society The uh, place is spelled X-A-X-O-X-O It is a techno-feudal society Affiliated with the Galactic Rim Collective Which is apparently under occupation of Condor and Lijah of the Gylarp Clan Which I am reading directly from the captions Because I could give a crap They talk about snark war And uh, when Lija's back is turned Condor points his gun at her Back to the council Now, the gist of Cortez's argument is that humans should not be singled out by Krakoan law for protection Like, why should they be protected and not any other number of species? He refers to humans as flat scans, which is the old uh, 90s insult that uh, bad mutants would, you know, levy at humans And Xavier takes offense to this Cortez questions why they need to play nice with those who fear and hate them And, I mean, there actually are humans out there trying to make mutants extinct. That's kind of the whole premise of this era, right? And in further fairness to Cortez, I I mean, we've had, what, like a half dozen uh, mutant extinction events in the past 20 or so years? So uh, it stands to reason he might be a little bit froggy about it. Now, I'm not sure what exactly Cortez is arguing, though. Um, Like, what's the point of this? It will become... Well, I would say it would become clear pretty soon But all we really get is some fuel for uh, theorizing it a little bit Uh, It almost feels like he's just taking this opportunity to grandstand Like he likes the sound of his own voice But there really, there will be a little bit more revealed Which will put this into context Regardless of his rationale, though uh, this, uh, This plea is a little bit foolish And if nothing else, is a definite misreading of this particular room and uh, it's worth mentioning here. It seems that Magneto might have like set him up in a way, like uh, go ahead, make a fool out of yourself, uh, which we'll be getting to. But first, let's shift scenes. Now, before Condor can pull the trigger, he is struck dead by a knife in the head. This is a knife thrown by a certain shadowy someone, alongside sword member and former acolyte Amelia Vott. Now, Vott states that uh, she didn't have anything to do with the killing. She's just here acting as a transporter. Then, that shadowy someone picks up their knife and kills Lija. So, uh, looks like we got the uh, Snark War hat trick here. Let's go back to Krakoa. Now, Cortez, after, you know, s- spooing his spoo here, he has left the room speechless, and it's, uh, it's pretty awkward. Even more so when we remember that Fabian is literally letting it all hang out at the moment. The silence is broken by, of all people, Peepa. Who, rather than addressing anything Cortez has brought to the table Decides to uh, change the subject a little bit And he just says, hey Fabian, what's your mutant name? You know, because people have real names and they have mutant names Cortez says his name is Cortez And then he waxes on about the history of his name and bloodline In particular, how much he hates his human relatives Who had cast he and his mutant sister out Which, theory time here, might be why he'd like the okay to kill a human or two Maybe Magneto then finally chimes in to continue with the subject at hand He says that this is a discussion about murder And he knows murder He knows that what murder comes down to is a simple choice And he even goes so far as to claim that Should he, Magneto, ever make that choice again He would gladly be exiled to the hole alongside Sabretooth Huh What was that we said about choosing your words carefully, Magneto? Hmm He must not read comics, news websites, or listen to this show. Uh, He then puts Cortez in the hot seat. He asks why his reasons for wanting to commit murder are greater than his own. And Fabian mutters a little bit, and all he can really come up with is that uh, he ought to have special dispensation. Storm finds this ridiculous and reminds everyone that they have a big fashion show to prepare for, which... Can we just stop? I mean, I know we have the Hellfire Gala coming in, and I'm looking forward to it, but can we just stop? I mean, it's hardly a priority to go try on clothes, is it? I, I, I really... Eh. The more I hear about the gala, the less I actually want to read it. It's, it's unfortunate. Anyway, Cortez says that uh, he is vital to Krakoan society, which garners a snicker from Sinister. He reminds everyone of his role in procuring whatever the hell Mysterium is. And Xavier suggests that Fabian is, uh, maybe getting into the realm of embarrassing himself. And, again, let me remind you, Cortez is, uh, he's balls out right now. He's naked this entire meeting. Then, the room is bathed in a purple glow, and it's Amelia Vought alongside that certain shadowy someone finally stepping out of the shadows. She's revealed as being Cora of the Burning Heart from Morocco. Wow! Hey, remember when we cared about Araco? How about that? Uh, we learned that she is here as Fabian Cortez's replacement in the sword hierarchy. Info page. Uh, this is a collection of a few other info pages that we'd read over the past several issues. Only they are no longer heavily redacted um, because they were all alluding to, or they were all hinting at Cora uh, of the. What is she? Cora of the something-or-another heart? The burning heart. Uh, they were all alluding to the fact that Cora was going to be uh, Cortez's replacement, and now all the Cora bits are readable. Back to comics, and the council dispenses, leaving naked Cortez standing there all by his lonesome. It's worth noting that Professor X tries to make a little bit of time with Amelia Vaught, which is a callback to uh, Uncanny X-Men, I believe 310 or so, where it was revealed that she and Charles knew each other before he formed the X-Men and had themselves a, uh, I don't know if we'd call it a fling, but a uh, mutual admiration. Now, Magneto accompanies Brand and the rest of the Swordsters up to the peak, and they talk a little bit more about the kill-no-man-slash-kill-no-human law. Abigail takes this to mean that Sword is free to kill aliens, and I really wish they made this more clear from the outset. It still feels a little bit wibbly, and, uh... Almost like it only it, it, it they change the rules depending on what the uh, what the story calls for. It's kind of annoying. Anyway, we wrap up with the reveal that there's a whole section of the peak which is housing tons and tons of Mysterium bits, whatever the hell they actually are. But that's where we leave it. Next episode. Oh, boy, I am excited, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. This is a book that I've been looking forward to for a long, long time, and I cannot wait to finally get down to Way of X business. I think that's going to be a very fun conversation, and um, I think it might turn into a uh, like an X-Men 7 situation where we talk about this a lot. It's, uh, it's going to be a good time, and I hope you're uh, you're all there for it. But that's next time. Now, let's talk about Sword And, uh, this was really like a a tale of two stories, right? Um, you guys know me, I mean, I I feel like I don't need to preface with this anymore But, uh, I will (laughs) I, uh, I hate the space stuff You know, I'm not a fan of any of the generic, interchangeable Marvel cosmic alien critters So these Snarks or the Xenox, or the Xerox Because the Xenox are a different thing, aren't they? I don't know, they all blend together for me Don't need it, I don't need it in my life And so we have these, uh, I I think they're the Snarks (laughs) They're getting assassinated I'm sure that's leading somewhere But uh, I I don't know that uh, I really, I'm all that invested in it Um, Hopefully I'm proven wrong And I'm totally open to the possibility that I will be I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, that I will be So maybe that'll pay off in a way that's satisfying But seeing it here... Every time we cut over to some sector or weirdly named planet to watch weird-looking aliens do weird-looking things to one another, I just wanted to get back into the quiet council chamber because I feel like that was a very, very strong scene here. And um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because uh, the uh, snark war thing, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about that during the uh, that final annihilation thing. I don't know anything about final annihilation, but... Since we are doing a crossover with the Guardians, I figure it's going to be spacey. <laughs> so, uh, stands to reason that we're going to deal with, uh, with aliens and stuff there. And from what I remember from the other Annihilation event series is, uh, they were, well, I mean, they're cosmic. And, uh, we'll, we'll get through it together. But into, uh, Fabian Cortez's bit here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it says about me, but, um... You know, on, on another show on the channel, we're t- taking a look at the uh, second volume of Generation X. We're looking at Generation X Lapsed, right? And in that, uh, Quentin Quire is there, and he is—he's a jerk, right? I mean, Quentin Quire is—he's a dick. That's his whole character. But I kind of find myself um, not so much identifying with him, but sympathizing with him. He—it f- feels like he is just like. Really, uh, you know, uh, he, he's punching down every time he's uh, on panel with someone else here He is just so far above all the characters in that book and, uh, and he's treated pretty poorly And I find myself sympathizing with him Here we have Fabian Cortez, a character who was created to be hated Right? His whole thing from the start is that he's like a he's a phony sycophant who was just trying to get like Magneto off you know, get his eye off the prize here so he could do the acolyte thing and take over and all that good stuff. And here I am kinda of sympathizing with him. It's very, very strange. And I mean I'm not a fan of heroes killing. You know, it's I, I understand heroes killing and I I know that there's a time and place for it. Putting the law down for Krakoa, the kill no man slash kill no human thing. I get what they're going for here. It does implement I uh, I don't know, a, a, an obstacle. So you have to be a little more creative. If there is a human who is doing something that's going to, that's going to endanger a lot of people, you have to be. Well, I mean, you have two choices. You could either be smarter about it, or you could send X Force in and turn you know, turn the head the other way and be like, "Is it over yet?" Because. That's kind of how that book goes But from what little actual information we get from Fabian Cortez here We can see that his problem with humans is a little bit closer to home It's, um, it's not just the whole fear and hate thing it's, it's family who turned him out And I don't know if he was looking for permission to kill his family members Or was this just a, you know, uh, I want to be on X-Force level Kind of above the law sort of a, sort of a deal here it's a question worth asking, though it might have had a little bit more oomph if it was less, uh, less wibbly-wobbly in the uh, in the verbiage, because sometimes it feels like our characters can't kill anybody, and sometimes it's like... I mean, we had that issue in New Mutants ages ago, where Magic asked a couple of aliens, like, Hey, are you guys human? And they said no, and she goes, Okay, then I can kill you. It kind of feels like we're building a house on Swampland, right? There's no real foundation here, it just... We're just going with the flow. We're just not questioning anything. Um, I also want to mention the quickness with which uh, Cortez is replaced in Sword. If it was really going to be this quick, why did they even give him the spot in the first place? Unless it was to further embarrass him. I feel like maybe that's why I'm sympathizing with him here because this feels like he's being bullied almost. He, uh, since he's come back, you know, since the uh, sword, the launch of Sword. He hasn't really done anything all that bad. He's just a jerk, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't hurt anybody. He hasn't really done anything to warrant people picking on him uh, the way they are here. And, and again, I don't know what this says about me, but I feel like some of our baddies are getting like the fresh start. They're getting the you know the clean chart, and everything's wiped off their permanent record. We've got Magneto, we had Apocalypse, we got Mystique, we got Exodus, Mr. Sinister. They're all on the Quiet Council. They're all dictating laws. They're all like running the mutant uh people, right? But Fabian Cortez can't get that. It's very it's very weird here. I mean, because if we stack up the atrocities of uh the people on the Quiet Council and Fabian Cortez, it'd be like comparing a jaywalking ticket to like a like a triple homicide, right? It's 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 not apples to apples here, it's very, very strange um, But what this does is it kind of sets him up f- to be an antagonist, right? Why would he throw in with these people who would uh, just dismiss him You know, just toss him away as soon as they found someone better And uh, they didn't waste their time looking for someone better here And they pulled in a uh, a Rocky of all uh, of all peoples, right? So I think we're setting Cortez up as a uh, as an antagonist, or at least a thorn in the side here. And I'm really looking forward to that, because he's a really good pain in the ass. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I hope we get more of this and less of the snark stuff. But we can't always get what we want, can we? Um, Mysterium. Don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm supposed to know what it is Uh, Again, I don't know the Marvel Cosmic stuff Mysterium, for all I know, could be a brand new thing Or it could be something dating back to the 70s I really don't know what it is The fact that S.W.O.R.D. is, like, hoarding it And we know that Abigail Brand thinks more, uh, galaxy-wide, universally than Krakoanly Um... I feel like this is going to play out on the wider cosmic landscape here. I don't know if this is going to be like S.W.O.R.D.'s version of the Krakoan magic meds. Not to say that Mysterium will cure people, but maybe it's like a commodity. Maybe it's something that other alien races are going to want, and in having so much of it, Uh, Sword will be able to maybe control some conversations Maybe be able to get like a seat at the table You know, like we have with Krakoa and the UN I mean, I'm just freestyling here Uh, For all I know, it could be uh, something that they're just going to weld together Into a cosmic beam that's going to shoot something (laughs) I don't know But the fact that they're hoarding it Tells me that it is a commodity Or they're looking to make it a commodity And uh, that could be interesting I think that could be an interesting story to tell What else? What else? I I thought it was neat seeing Professor X uh, chat up Amelia Vaught. That was a... uh, The issue where it was established that they had a history... Again, I think it was Uncanny X-Men number 310. This was uh, one of the Scott Lobdell stories that is almost universally uh, appreciated. You know, Scott Lobdell's run is... uh, I don't want to say uneven because I enjoyed most of it, but uh, unappreciated. It's... um, Unevenly uh, uh, reflected upon uh, I feel like people lump a lot of the 90s excess Into the Lobdell run and, and while there was some of that, to be sure I mean, we did have Age of Apocalypse We had Onslaught We had all, you know, all size and shape of crossover event um, But uh, one thing that a lot of us agree on Is the quiet issues of Scott Lobdell's are. Perhaps uh, among the better issues of X-Men of all time And the Xavier Vaught issue is, uh, is no exception I, I do remember that you had to read some of it sideways It was John Ramita Jr. on art And I remember... Uh, it's not a fun book to read in that it has a lot of that uh, that isms in it, where you have to turn the page sideways, so you have to hold it. I, and for all, I, I'm, I might be misremembering. It might just be like one time you had to do that, but I felt like I have had to do that a lot, <laughs> and I could very well be mistaken. But that's one of, my, uh, one of my main takeaways from that issue, despite really, really enjoying the, uh, the story within. What else is worth mentioning? Um, Storm talking about the big fashion show coming up. We're in the middle of a meeting talking about murder. Please, I mean, let's... There's a time and place to talk about the damn gala. Uh, Can we, like, not have it in the middle of a meeting? It's really annoying. Gets more annoying every time we hear about it. It's like if you're in a meeting at work, and you're coming up on the end of the year, and you have to have all your ducks in the row, and someone at the end of the table goes, what about the the Christmas party? You know, and it's like, just shut up. (laughs) Please, it's a time... And a place, but for the most part I really enjoyed this, it's nice to get Back to um, Actual sword stories here, never thought I'd Say that, you know, but I did Enjoy the first issue, which I did not Expect to, and the You know, the uh, King and Black issues Weren't bad by any stretch But I just don't have the interest In the uh, the King and Black stuff And it just felt like a uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a Thing where you know how the sausage is made and it felt like an artificial way to zhuzh sales on sword, uh, to make it look like it was like an instant hit. And I mean, it, it was a, it didn't really work all that well. But I don't know, it put them it put them on the table for some people who were uh, maybe completionists for Venom stuff or King and Black stuff. But that's all I got to say. Uh, the art was fantastic, as uh, we've been you know been accustomed to from uh, Sheedy. It's great, great stuff. Uh, worth a look. If you were scared off by the King and Black stuff, uh, I think you're safe to come back. Uh, Even if you hate um, Fabian Cortez like so many of us do. But that'll do it for our discussion of this issue. Let's hop into the mailbag here. We got a couple of letters to get to. First from Damien, talking about New Mutants number 16. He says, I clearly have a higher tolerance for other world stories than you because I really enjoyed this issue of New Mutants. It helps that Vida Ayala appears to be going for an Alice in Wonderland riff Rather than a DD and d one And for folks who haven't read uh, New Mutants number 16 um, Danny and uh, Karma went into Otherworld to rescue a missing child Who went through the Otherworld gate And kind of got themselves into some trouble And again, I talk about my fatigue with certain subjects and topics And Otherworld is among them And perhaps at the tippy-top of that list because can we just not? <laughs> I'm very very tired of it here. Um, it is presented differently. I, I mean, we're going full on Alice in Wonderland here. They're following a white rabbit. You know, it's uh, it's very much Alice in Wonderland rather than the uh, the druids and the whatever the hell Saturnine stuff was uh, was doing there. But still not a fan of it. I, I want just a break from a place that I really don't care about, you know, tell some New Mutant stories on Earth, (laughs) you know, tell some Excalibur stories on Earth, just tell Earth-based stories just for a minute, just for a minute Damien continues My favorite thing about the revamped New Mutants is how Claremontian it is. Every plot thread gets a little addition, every issue slowly building toward becoming the focus There have to be payoffs to all the little bits and pieces. Weirdly, I'm becoming most invested in Scout I wonder how she'll cope with her sister being on the X-Men. And yes, I agree 100% here. Um, This is the first time New Mutants has felt like it had an identity. Uh, we started with the Hickman stuff, right? And that was kind of the uh, you know the band got back together. Let's play let's play the greatest hits. You know we'll have the uh, the big names around and just have a romp, letting these personalities bounce off one another. Just uh, you know getting our feet wet, getting comfortable with these characters again, and seeing how they uh, how they interrelate. And uh, from there, I mean we had the farm story, we had the uh, Cosmar story, we had uh, just. The Docs story, which I was really looking forward to For some ridiculously Pollyanna-ish reason But here, we actually have an identity And as Damien pointed out here Very, very traditionally told Um, We talk about this a lot when we talk about X-Factor Where everybody gets a moment, right? Um, New Mutants is way too big a book for everyone to get a moment Because New Mutants is basically all the young mutants And we can't have 500 young mutants in every single issue Getting screen time But, as Damien points out here, we're getting little bits and pieces of the stories that are being presented. With all the knowledge and confidence that eventually they're going to bubble to the surface and be the focus of the series for an issue or two. It really is very well done. It feels very, very traditional. It feels very comfortable. I just wish we weren't in (laughs) Otherworld. And for Scout, I mean, Scout is becoming the MVP of that book, where we're asking some of those... uh, some of those inconvenient questions about, uh, you know, the qua- not the quality of life, but the value of life for a clone. It's uh, pretty interesting, and uh, if she is to perish, it uh, is going to lead to it's going to lead to a very very uh, complicated story. And uh, if that is the case, I- I'm looking forward to reading it. Damien continues. Talking of X-Men, I think it's totally legitimate for the kids to view certain characters as X-Men, even if there is no official team. Even when the X-Men reform, surely Magic will continue to outrank them in the Krakoan terms, but I could still see people within the world viewing her as not an X-Man. And this, I think, is a a callback to me um, kind of being a semantic jerk, and uh, every time they mention the X-Men, I go, there are no X-Men. Because they made that abundantly clear at the end of X of Tens that uh, there are no X-Men So it's just me kind of, you know, taking, taking the pee out of it, right? It's uh, just me holding the editor's feet to the fire for not uh, being a little bit more clever about how they present the characters uh, Damien continues You seem to be dreading the storyline going into Asgard But I imagine that Rod Reese will deliver the most amazing depiction of Asgard Then again, is Tyr on Asgard? Can Cerebro back up from Asgard. Needless to say, Rod Reese does a fantastic other world. I get my new comics digitally, but I feel like I'm missing out by not getting these on paper. I might have to buy them again. And I mean, Rod Reese, how many different ways can we say how brilliant his work is? Because it is just phenomenal here. i And it's funny you mention feeling like you're missing out in seeing it uh, on digital only. I almost feel like I'm missing out seeing it on paper only Because sometimes uh, I used to do reviews and I would get uh, I would get preview comps So a lot of my reviews were done from Digital material And there are some times uh, Not always, but there were some times Where the art in the digital version The colors, the vibrance It just popped and it was just gorgeous And then I'd get the paper version um, Because you know these were books That I was getting a month later and uh, I found them to be lacking, almost Like, just not as bright, not as lush And it's interesting, because now I'm wondering Like, which which format would make uh, Rod Reese shine the most And, uh, I mean, I'm sure on both they're fantastic Because it is Rod Reese And I have absolutely no doubt that his Asgard would be just Absolutely, you know, uh, mouth-gapingly gorgeous, right? It's... Definitely would be something that that's worth looking at. Uh, it's just Asgard bores me, <laughs> so the story is not what I'd look forward to. But the art, I mean, uh, I'll say it now. I'll if that does come if it does come down to that, I will probably start my little review portion by saying Rodri's did the heavy lifting here, <laughs> and that's no fault of Vida Ayala. It's just Thor is a bore to me, and Asgard is uh, also boring to me. Uh, Damien continues Based on recent issues, New Mutants may be edging above Marauders for me As the best Reign of X book I am loving this run And yeah, I mean, my otherworld bias notwithstanding It is a very, very strong book And like I said just a few minutes ago it, it actually feels like it has a reason to exist It has a direction, it has an identity It's it's good, it's very, very good um, Hellions is still my book But uh, New Mutants is is moving up the charts here for sure Damien continues, you're going to hear from me sooner than you might expect as I picked up the two-part X-Men in the Vault story, even though I usually skip X-Men. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts as I remember being unsure about it when I read it. And uh, we will be talking about that in an episode or two. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to chatting about that two-parter here because uh, it was a weird one. It was a weird one. There was uh, some stuff to like in there. There was some stuff to not like in there. It's... uh, there was some stuff to be creeped out by in there, so it's going to be a, a fun little conversation. Uh, Damien wraps up with, anyway, until Wolfsbane swaps bodies with the karate rabbit, make mine X lapsed Well, thank you so much for writing in about that issue there, Damien, and I'm really looking forward to getting into the uh, the X-Men email here. Uh, next up, we got Evan talking about Cable Number 8. He says, I liked Cable Number 8. You're right that Domino seemed different from her more recent appearances, but I think there might be a reason for that. I mean, beyond just and writing her differently, I don't think we've—I don't think I've seen her interact with Kid Cable before. So maybe her aloofness was just a reaction to him. He's not a bad guy, but he still eliminated her longtime ally. Or maybe it's the effect of multiple resurrections. Remember how adamant she adamant she was that she kept her trauma when she was brought back, and then didn't care when she came back without it. That's true. That's true. And yeah, I mean the uh, the conversation between she and uh, Nathan was. Maybe purpose, maybe purposefully aloof. In that she really didn't want to bond with him. She didn't want to connect with him because, uh, well, what had happened? Where where he killed, her uh, on again, off again lover, and uh, replaced him. So I mean, that is a, <laughs> it's a strange thing, not it. There is also the question of the uh, resurrections. I mean, she died, two or three times in pretty rapid succession, right? Um, she died fighting the the evil Russians, of course. Then I think she died like an issue after that, and then she died in uh, Wolverine No. 1, where uh, Wolverine slaughtered her, I think. (laughs) So, she died a lot, and uh, seems to remember none of it, so maybe there is uh, something to that. Uh, Evan continues, Or maybe it was just Duggan's interpretation of her powers bleeding into the character as if she just kind of went with the flow. I think I would enjoy seeing Duggan write Domino and work in some of those darker elements that were missing here. I think I would like Duggan writing any character. (laughs) I've uh, long um, touted that he should uh, get the head of X crown, because really, he's just been absolutely fabulous on on the books that he's uh, been tasked with. Evan continues, As for the unequal treatment of clones, it could just be a matter of story convenience. The Kid Cable dupes were an obstacle, and while Duggan perhaps could write a cool story about a dozen bad cables reforming on Krakoa, I doubt that's a direction anybody would want to go. Domino's quick elimination of them probably reflects X-Force's special privileges when it comes to the rules. I'm sure that is the case. I'm sure you're right on the money there. Um, we don't need that story, but I do love the fact that it came up because it, uh... It leads to questions, right? Um, Over in New Mutants, uh, Scout, she's got the same sort of situation going on here I like that this keeps coming up Because that tells me that it's not going to be forgotten Or at least I hope it won't be forgotten In that uh, these are some answers I think we all want What makes a clone a clone? What makes a person a person? If a clone has their own feelings, does that make them any less a person than a regular person, right? Or a non-clone, I should say I like the fact that we're still asking these questions and we're still being presented with, um, just a mess of uh, food for thought. Evan continues, You're right that the likelihood of a clone resurrection depends on the connection to Krakoa's movers and shakers, but these were apparently newly awakened clones, so perhaps they weren't true individuals yet. The Cuckoos, X-23, and Scout have all lived and had experiences, whereas these Cable clones were, at this point, just specifically engineered cogs in Strife's machine. So maybe that's what makes them different. And again, I think you're right on the money here with uh, your analysis. We don't know anything about these Cable clones here. Um, For all we know, they're just uh, husks that look like Cable, right? Um, They haven't had any experiences that we know of. We saw them pop out of the pods, so... I don't know that they have a cerebro to back anything up, so they could just be husks, for all we know. Evan continues, Also, as far as old man Cable, I'm thinking that this could be the adult version of kid Cable, rather than the original, and maybe the mysterious foe he's pursuing is the original Cable, or vice versa. That would explain how he knew he could step over the tripwire, and maybe the scan. Perhaps it was a biometric lock like we saw in the present of this very issue. And that's another great point. Uh, that very well could be the case. Um, I think we're gonna get a, I mean, we're gonna get a reveal, right? That's that's for sure. We're going to see this cable in the wherever he is, the far flung future, the red world, uh, maybe a future version of Krakoa. We're gonna see him face off against somebody or something. It's just that's the way it's building. If it doesn't happen, I'd be very very surprised. So it could very well be another cable. I mean, or it could be strife or it could be kid cable, or it could be a more grizzled old man cable. It's there's a lot of ways it can go here. And um I mean, we almost have like an embarrassment of riches in the ways that this could go because none of them really sound that bad. You know, they all could make they all would make sense, and they all could lead somewhere very, very interesting here. I think what I thought about, like, the biometrics and stuff, not even putting together the fact that we saw the very same thing in the uh, in the present, in this issue, was that he was on some different, like, a future version of Krakoa after it fell, and uh, it was basically just scanning for his, you know, mutant DNA to allow him to enter. I think that might be what I theorized. Uh, I just... I mean, that's been a little while, so I can't remember exactly <laughs> what I thought upon reading it. But uh, thank you so much for writing in about Cable Number no. 8, a book that we will all miss, because it's going away very, very soon. But uh, that'll do it for the mailbag here. We do have one bit of news. And uh, I guess this was I um, not reported, but uh, revealed at the end of X-Men Number no. 20, which... If you're uh, following this in real time It uh, came out yesterday Because I'm, I'm recording it the day it came out So uh, if you are listening to this as it drops Exit number 20 came out yesterday And uh, I guess it ended with an advertisement For a story that uh, is coming out in the fall And if you remember the graphic the, uh, the Reign of X Summer of Bloat graphic Where things were redacted And we knew Hickman was getting a new book Or a new miniseries or something But the title was uh, blocked out. Uh, the icon for the book was just a circle with like a question mark in it. So a lot of us were trying to figure out what this might be, and um, I think a lot of us were figuring that this was going to finally be like the Mora story. You know, we're gonna get some amazing Mora, some astonishing Mora, sensational Mora, web of Mora. You know, we're gonna get those stories. The uh, the many lives of Mora X. And uh no, that's not the case. At least not yet. Um it is going to be Inferno. Yes, another story called Inferno, which I stopped myself from reading more about. Um all I know is that it's Inferno, it's this fall, and it's Jonathan Hickman writing it. They might have announced an artist. I just I was skimming, I didn't want to have anything spoiled here. Um Because I I, I figure that gives us uh, food for thought It gives us an opportunity to theorize and uh, be mind-bogglingly wrong In our theories and wild guesses Um, For now, knowing that it's Inferno um, My thoughts immediately go to Madeline Pryor Uh, It could be a different kind of Inferno It might be a certain somebody getting ready to burn Krakoa to the ground I mean, it's been a long time since we heard that phrase, so maybe that's going to be the thing. And I mean, in Cable, we got babies. And Kid Cable went to Limbo to talk to uh, Nastir, who was one of the architects behind the original Inferno, who's to say that it's not all tied up into something here. So it's going to give us a lot to think about. It's going to give us a lot to talk about. If you guys would like to talk about it, please feel free to let me know here. Don't worry about spoiling me on anything. I just didn't want to be spoiled Right now when I'm presenting it for the first time here Because I don't want to spoil anything for you guys In case you want to experience it as it's happening you know. I don't know if this is a limited series A one shot, a giant size, an ongoing I couldn't imagine it being an ongoing But then again, I mean, it's Marvel Are there really any ongoings anymore? I don't know But uh, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts Your wild uh, theories um, We're having a good time talking about it Over on the Facebook group right now Mostly, we're rolling our eyes at it, but uh, definitely, it is a it is a fun conversation to have, and it's uh, it takes me back to being a kid in the comic store, where you know we'd get little bits of news, and uh, we would just spend you know hours trying to figure out what it all meant. Uh, anyway, that will do it for today. Um, if you'd like to write in, share some thoughts, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at 90sXmen, and you can shoot me emails at weirdcomicshistory at com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrissoninfiniteearths.com. You could hang out at that aforementioned Facebook group. It is 90sXmen on Facebook. And finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic commentary listening needs, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And if you like what you hear there, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, uh, please, I beg of you, share the show, spread the word, tell a friend or two, and ask them to tell a friend or two. Whatever you can do, I would humbly and sincerely appreciate it. Speaking of which, I humbly and sincerely appreciate you guys taking a little bit of time out of your day and spending it with me. It really, really means the world to me. So thank you all so, so much. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.